This podcast episode is brought to you by Paleo Valley's Organic Extra Virgin Olive Oil. Now, we all know that many olive oils are cut with seed oils or that they are rancid, and so it's not always easiest to find a quality and properly sourced olive oil. Yes, in case you didn't know, many store bought olive oils are diluted or blended, compromising both taste and quality, and may even cause rancidity. I'm really glad that Paleo Valley's extra virgin olive oil remains pure and unadulterated, sourced from a single organic valley in Greece. Paleo Valley ensures freshness and nutrient content by packaging their olive oil in dark glass bottles. At a certain point, I stopped using extra virgin olive oil, but once our practice started working with people with chronic inflammatory response syndrome or SIRS, we started recommending it for the reduction of TGF beta 1. It is an immune system marker that shows inflammation both for COVID 19, SIRS, and actually many other illnesses. So if your TGF beta 1 is high, you may want to try incorporating a little bit of extra virgin olive oil. Make sure to check it out. It comes in a two pack package. And remember, All Paleo Valley products are guaranteed with a money back guarantee. Go to paleovalley.com slash nwj to get 15% off your order. Thanks for supporting companies that support this podcast. If you're, if you're eating a lot of vitamin A and you think that just because it's the natural form and it's not the synthetic form that you're somehow protected, this is not supported in the science at all. So if I get a multivitamin that has vitamin A in it, In the way that the body breaks down vitamin A from beef liver, it essentially becomes the same in the body, in、yes. the way it's processed. People will argue that the type of vitamin A determines its toxicity or not. I'm here showing that that's not true. So there, they're basically saying quantity matters. Supplements <laughs> are the same as food in both sexes. Increasing retinol became negatively associated with skeletal health. At intakes not far beyond the recommended daily allowance or RDA. Let's say you have never taken Accutane, you've never taken vitamin A supplementation. The animal versions of vitamin A and not even the beta carotene, none of the carrots, the sweet potatoes, et cetera. So, can we still get toxic eating a few ounces of liver or those types of foods、um, from our diet? Yes. The Teratology Society has stated that pregnant women should not consume more than 3,000 a day. Based on all their research, which is less than one ounce of liver, right? That's, that's two thirds of one ounce of liver. It's two thirds of an ounce of liver of that. From the US government here on the NIH, I just want to go over this last thing. When people consume too much vitamin A, their tissue levels take a long time to fall after they discontinue their intake. And the resulting liver damage is not always reversible. So we had the two year old boy actually died from chicken liver spread. His younger brother got very sick, was still dealing with the problems from vitamin A toxicity. I believe they said several years later. And then the young girl, the sister, did not get sick at all. This is what I'm talking about. There is individual variation in how much of this stuff you can tolerate. So, for you and your kids, or your patients with their kids, would you ever give liver or even cod liver oil? No. That women should be cautious regarding their consumption of liver containing meals during pregnancy. I mean, if this study is it kind of saying that women that are pregnant should be careful consuming all animal liver? Just... That's exactly what they're saying. We've already established that natural vitamin A and synthetic vitamin A are exactly the same in terms of toxicity. 
We now have all this evidence of people getting toxic from eating vitamin A. I, I just don't know how after all of this that anyone could claim that if you just simply eat animal liver, you're not going to get toxic. It's just, it's completely unscientifically tenable at this point. Hey guys, it's Judy from Nutrition with Judy. Thanks for joining me today. If you guys enjoyed this episode, please make sure to subscribe and leave a review. This helps me to be able to share more information with more people. Okay, so today I am continuing the journey about the discussion of vitamin A possible toxicity and why maybe liver and other vitamin A rich foods may not always be ideal. And obviously it's very bio-individual. So we are going to go through some studies today. So I, we actually show the studies and I hope that you guys um, take the time. And um, if you're listening to the podcast version of this, that you can maybe see the video or at least see the show notes and get all the studies that are mentioned and just kind of go through the information yourself. I know that new information is never easy to absorb. Um, Sometimes it's, you know, it challenges us at the core and then makes us question, trust me, I've had lots of days of lack of sleep from all of this, but it's the right thing to share because new information can always help someone and it's just the right thing to do. All right, let's get into part two with Dr. Garrett Smith. I don't, I don't think it's okay, but what they saw with this gentleman, they took him off his vitamin A supplement and I'm going to guess they also told him like, don't eat carrots, don't eat liver, don't eat eggs, don't eat egg yolks. That's the big part. Don't do butter. You know, they probably told him avoid the high vitamin A things. So I believe it was about in week 12, his vitamin A level in his blood had come up to a 62. Wow. So he stopped his vitamin A and then his blood level went up because it was all being stuck in his liver before that's, this is one thing that'll do. It'll get stuck in your liver And then when he stopped eating the vitamin A, it finally started coming out. Your body does not want, if you are bringing in toxicity, your body will slow down or stop certain detox pathways because you don't want to have too much of the the thing in your blood. If it's a toxin, you don't want too much of it in your blood. So think about this. If somebody was taking in vitamin A, at the same time, it goes into the blood, right? It It comes into the body, it goes into the blood. But the, the blood in each, in, in art, arteries and veins, the blood goes one way, right? I mean, it, you only want the blood going one way in, a, in the, the pipes. So if you have stuff coming in, that's a problem. And then your body starts dumping out stuff that's a problem. It all goes into the blood, the same blood pathways, right? There's, there's not two lanes of traffic in the blood. There's, there's one lane. The blood goes one way. And people say, oh, it goes out from the heart and then it comes back to the heart. But those, th- that's, those are one-way roads is what I'm talking about. They are all one-way roads. There's no two-way road. So what the body does is to protect you. If you are, as I say, intoxing, you've got enough of it in your blood, your body will stop detoxing. Because if you did both of them at the same time, you're going to have both of them in the blood. And you will show up. It's when, it's when things are in the blood that you show the most 
problems. Right. So your body will protect you from that. It'll say, oh man, we have so much coming in. Our level's already high. Don't take it out of storage right now because it'll, it'll be a problem. These are just, these are simple concepts I use. I actually tend to look at the body a lot like a car or a machine and we use the same concepts. I try not to make, it, it's, we are pipes and we are pressure and we are nutrients, which would be like fluids in your car. You know, we have to have the right things running and we need to not put the wrong things in. And by looking at the body this way, this is how, you know, and, and, and we do simple things like looking at things, does the car run better when we do this? Or does the car run worse when we do this? And generally the thing I'll tell people all the time is if something makes you feel worse, generally don't do it or there's something else going on. So with babies, um, if they were to eat maybe half an ounce of liver a day, every other day, I mean, what are your thoughts on, because, you know, the thought is that liver is so nutrient dense. There's some nutrients that are so rich in liver that are not as easily attainable in other foods. And so to start babies basically from like ancestral eating, whether it's the Inuits, the Eskimos, right? They all feed their babies, these kind of sacred foods. Um, Actually, let's go into that whole ancestral thing. What I wanted to, I, I wanted to go into kind of the mythology of ancestral eating and how people kind of created this idea that the liver is, is the most important thing that people eat. And, and just, I wanted to go into why this probably started. Okay. Because it, it, it's explained in this paper. This is the same paper that talks about the vitamin A toxicity in the 1.5 million year old Homo erectus fossil that they found. So they, they saw bony changes in this fossil that they could definitely say are related to vitamin A toxicity in modern people today. Okay. So, the paleopathology of the liver. Quoting, as fire had not yet been put to use, the soft liver would have been the only easily eaten part of animal kills. Carnivore liver contains toxic levels of vitamin A, and it may well have taken some period of time before early humans learned to avoid eating carnivore liver, or to avoid carnivore liver, I should say. And that's, that's the quote. So, I, I want you to... When you want to talk about ancestral stuff, imagine you don't have knives. You don't have ways of hanging up. For those of you who have done field dressing of animals or butchering of animals, you probably know that even with modern tools, it's challenge. It's difficult. It takes skill. It takes effort. And you can mess yourself up bad with, knives and other cutting things doing it. So just imagine, let's just say it's only, I mean, let's just say it's 10,000 years ago. Let's go for that nice little paleo number that 10,000 years ago, right? Even if they had knives and you know, if whatever tools they had, they're still pretty rough. So let's say you have an animal kill. The, what they're saying here is the only easily eaten part just, to, or even imagine, let's go back further and let's go back to sharp rocks where they only have sharp rocks. So you kill an animal or you find a dead animal. you got sharp rocks. If you don't understand that cutting steaks off of an animal is not going to happen through that fascia with sharp rocks very well, while you've got this dead animal 
and you start having scavenger animals come up to you and start harassing you, and then you have flies setting in, the only easy part to eat is the liver because it's soft and you can get to it right through the belly. You don't have to go through the ribs. You don't have to go through bone. So then over the years, we have created this mythology that the, the people eat the liver first because it's so nutritious. What they're saying here is no, people started doing that because it was the only thing they could really get out of the animal easily and that they could eat without cooking. And then over the years, it's turned into this, this whole big thing. So maybe the liver is not as good for us as we wanted to believe. And then if we wanted to go into those uh, quotes from Weston Price, we could head into those because you, you may have missed some quotes from Weston Price about the dangers of cod liver oil that he has mentioned in his work and in a, in a letter to his nieces and nephews. Before we move on, let me ask you a question is with all this, I mean, you're, you're pulling up all these studies so easily. Like how did we miss all of this? Well, okay. I, I mean, I could say my opinion, my experience has been, I mean, I went to, you know, naturopathic medical school where we're being taught, you know, clinical nutrition, how to diagnose nutritional disease and how to treat it. And I can tell you that the only thing that was mentioned in my classes about vitamin A toxicity was just because a big thing in naturopathic medicine is a lot of people are taught to give high doses, very short term. Mm. Like if you feel a cold or a flu coming on, you slam it with, you know, 50,000, 100,000, 200,000. I use a vitamin A for a couple of days and people will do the same thing with vitamin D. Super acutely toxic levels. But then sometimes people will say my cold or my flu went away. That's, the, you know, remember the duration paradox we just talked about, right? Um, what I've seen is people who tend to do those protocols is they often tend to start getting more colds and flus over time, not less. So the, the cure may be causing the problem if, you did, sure. if you're catching what I'm saying. But how did we all miss this? I, I don't know. And that's, I, I don't know why people disregard or, or don't even look for all of this information. A, a lot of people kind of flippantly just go, well, vitamin A toxicity only happens from supplements. It doesn't happen from foods. And then obviously where we're at with this is we go, well, you haven't been looking very hard. And I, I'll, I'll be honest, I wasn't looking very hard before this. When I was, before I knew about all this, I was giving people liver pills. I was giving people retinol palmitate supplements. I was having them eat all the colors of the rainbow, half the colors of the rainbow, red, orange, yellow, just so happened to be vitamin A colors. And then green can hide vitamin A. So red, orange, yellow, green, right? That's half the rainbow that people think they're eating. Eating the rainbow as a concept did not really come into mainstream until 2005. So to think that anything about eating a rainbow of colors from fruits and vegetables isn't, has nothing to do with ancestral stuff at all. Um, but then we get into the liver and we have this, this mythology. And how did we miss this? Why isn't this being taught? I don't know. If we were to go into the, I have that other section that we can go into, which is the rates of gold standard liver biopsy, where they take a chunk of your liver 
gold standard liver biopsy diagnosed vitamin A toxicity in both recent years and going back to the 1950s, we can see that this, this is a problem that's been going on a long time. And I, I, can't, I can't tell you why I missed it. I can't tell you why other people miss it or why other people are denying the existence of it. I don't know why. In the Weston A. Price world, they recommend that, you know, Weston Price went around and saw that a lot of these cultures were fed liver and cod liver oil. Um, so what is your, you know, so people say that because the cultures that ate these kind of um, very nutrient dense foods, they had the best dental health. Um, they didn't have the issues that these white new foods had. So right. what does this all mean? I, I am one to think that the modern, and I've talked to multiple Weston Price, ex-Weston Price people who have realized that they weren't doing themselves any favor with, with the vitamin A that they were eating, who have said that as, the, as they've gone and researched, and I've seen, I've seen their research, as they've gone and researched deeper into the early Weston Price stuff is that it's very, very different than what people are doing today. So there was, there was a lot of whole grains mentioned back then. Um, it's just, it's very different. So what I really like to cover, or what I'd like to cover here is people think that Weston Price was all about the cod liver oil. And I want to cover a couple quotes of his where he's actually warning people against the, he's trying to warn people about the risk of getting vitamin A toxic. He's, he's really describing vitamin A toxicity. Okay. He just doesn't know it. All he knows, all he's saying is that cod liver oil can be toxic. And remember, this is in the paper that I'm about to go into, which, is, which was written by Weston Price himself in 1922. You can find it on PubMed. Okay, here's the title of the study. Control of dental caries, which is cavities, and some associated degenerative processes through reinforcement of the diet with special activators. Before I go into this, I want you to think about, you know, kids are intuitive. Kids, well, we could say kids are more in touch with their body's natural instincts than adults are. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that that's true. People may disagree with me, that's fine. But kids often know what's kind of good for them and what's kind of not. Uh, do kids like cod liver oil? No. Before kids get used to brightly colored vegetables, do kids generally like brightly colored vegetables or do kids generally like kind of white things? They generally like kind of white things and they have to develop a taste for vegetables. So just think about that. Here, here we're going to go into this quote from this paper. One question. Let yes. me stop you real quick. So a lot of people will argue when I brought up the liver information that they said, well, kids also love a ton of sugar. So therefore should we be just feeding them a ton of sugar? Yeah. So. Well, <laughs> I can't argue that kids like sugar. So no, I, I, that's, that's kind of a straw man argument. They're, they're, they're changing it into something else. Um, yeah, in terms of what kids like versus what they will not eat, there's, there's differences there. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to honestly say I'm going to need to leave that sugar part alone. 
And also the food industries have done a lot of research to figure out what, you know, the brain will like, and that will, you know, have people have that kind of addictive or um, other side that they will desire it, right? Yes. I mean, sugar, you know, refined sugar is a drug. It's, it's no more different. I mean, when you think about it, if we take white sugar, it was from a plant and they processed it down to a white powder, right? So that means white sugar in terms of what they did to it is no different than cocaine. It's no different than caffeine. It's no different than collagen powder. It's no different than white flour. It's, it's not a natural thing anymore. Okay. And so if we want to talk about unnatural reactions, like addictive qualities, well, we know cocaine's addictive. We know that sugar can be quite addictive. Right. So then we, you know, then we get into into that. That's fair. I just, I know that someone's thinking it and it's the only reason why I brought it up. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no problem. That's I, I, there's also the dysbiosis. People with a fermentative dysbiosis will crave sugar and people with a putrefactive dysbiosis will crave fat. So I'm going to guess a lot of the people out in the carnivore world are probably putrefactive types. And so they love the carnivore diet and the people who go on the carnivore diet and they're like, Oh my God, all I can think of is sugar all day. They're a totally different dysbiosis. Okay. So let's talk about the quote you were going to bring up. Okay. So that quote we have quoting, I have frequently had mothers bring this question to me as a serious nutritional problem with their children. They have desired to do all they possibly could for their children and in their efforts had tried to follow the directions on the bottle or as otherwise provided, which often meant large doses of cod liver oil. They have reported to me the difficulty they had in combating the rebellion of their children against the use of cod liver oil, which may have been in part a reaction of self-preservation. Many of the children were reported to regurgitate the oil when it was forced down. Since it has been demonstrated that only the oil that is utilized contributes to the well-being of the human being or animal, it can readily be anticipated that compulsion to take such a toxic product could be very injurious. Straight out of Weston Price's mouth, okay? Toxic product, compulsion, injurious, right? Key words. Children throwing it back up. (laughs) Do we not believe that the body kind of knows best? And that these kids throwing it up, their body is probably trying to tell us something. And that's what Weston Price is trying to say here. He's trying to say these kids throwing it up is probably trying to tell us something. And if we force this down them, it's probably going to hurt them. Let's go to the next one from Mr. Price. Dr. Price, I should say. So I have the book here. So this this is Nourishing Traditions. Yeah. Yeah, this is in the book Nourishing Traditions, page 391. And this is this was written by Weston Price. Uh, they call it a letter to his nieces and nephews. 1934. Okay. Quoting, cod liver oil can be given in moderate doses without injury and to great advantage. Seldom, however, should the child be given more than one teaspoonful a day for extended periods because of toxic effects that often develop. 
I think I read that wrong. I missed it. I missed a word in there. It didn't sound right. Seldom, however, should the child be given more than one teaspoon of full a day for extended periods because of toxic effects that often develop. Yeah, that's what it so, says in the book. Toxic effects often. And then he had to say you can give moderate doses without injury because if you're going over moderate doses, whatever that is for the size child you have and that child's ability to process the vitamin A, an excessive dose will cause injury is what he's saying. So Weston Price is not talking about vitamin A back then. What he's saying is he observed that too much cod liver oil caused problems in children. Here we're saying that food-based vitamin A and food-based vitamin D can cause basically disease in your children. How much can your children take? I don't know. Do you really want to find out? I am at a loss of words a little bit because one, I have this book and I, I read the very beginning of it, but because I didn't make the actual recipes, I've never gone to this page on page 391 in the right-hand corner, but yes, it's just, um, so see, I mean, but that's why, how did we miss this for so long? Right. You, you even read the book, but you skipped that part. And even, I mean, just be, I'm just want you to be honest here because I was honest. If you had read this, would you have believed that cod liver oil was toxic? After everything, they bumped it up. You know, they puffed it up in the book. Right. Most of us would have probably just disregarded this and been like, oh, well, I just won't give crazy doses. Right? That's what most people would do. And they didn't mention the cod liver oil quote from Weston Price's paper in the book. They seem to leave that out because we have this weird mythology about this chemical family of compounds that doesn't follow what the research says. So for you and your kids or your patients with their kids, would you ever give in any situation, right? So let's say even the most malnourished kids or families that had kids that, you know, are severely underweight or even were born prematurely, Would you ever give liver or even cod liver oil? Hey guys, just to let you know, my Carnivore Cure book is back in stock. For nine months, it was out of print and used prices were up to $300. Make sure to get your copy today that has over 200 colored tables and graphics and over 400 pages of meaty goodness. We have a limited supply, so get your copy today on Amazon.com. And if you can leave a review, I'd be super grateful. No. And I go over this in one of my videos in that, and I show research for it, that every single symptom of vitamin A deficiency, whether we're talking about skin or eyes or whatever, can also be linked to either a zinc deficiency or a taurine, a lack of taurine in the body. So I don't, I, I would personally, well, let me, let me tell you about a vitamin A experience that I had with, with my son. Okay. Um, my wife, I know my wife based on her medication history. I will. So my wife took birth control pills for 13 years. I have a whole video on how birth control pills 
cause both vitamin A and copper to rise in the blood. So she had a 13-year history of that medication. So she probably had vitamin A toxicity. And I would, I would tell you that I believe that to be true based on her health. My, my daughter was born. She seemed all right. My son was a couple, two and a half years later. He was not well. And what happens with vitamin A toxicity is it tends to get worse over time in people, whatever their age, because right, they, they live longer. They're exposed to more vitamin A. My son was born and he had some minor issues, but what did we feed him as we were weaning him off of breast milk? He really liked goat milk. Okay. Goat milk is even higher in vitamin A than cow milk. And my son was drinking some days a quart. Oh, wow. Of not a, was not a quart. Yeah, a quart. Yeah, yeah. A quart. That stuff was $14 a gallon. I figured it out. It was crazy. But he was drinking a quart of goat milk a day. And later on, he ended up having some motor development issues. He ended up having some, you know, he was in occupational therapy. He was having these weird, like little absence seizures where he'd be staring at you, but he'd be staring right through you. And it was like the computer was turned off for a second, but he's still staring through you. And then he'd pop back in. And I was going, this is, something's wrong here. And he ended up later showing up with anaphylactic allergies to three tree nuts. Okay. Walnuts, pecans, and hazelnuts. So as I've been doing this work, so my son, like I said, he's used to go to occupational therapy and he was not, you know, they said he had core motor, core muscle dysfunction and he had weak grip and he had all these, these other minor, you know, relatively minor issues. Cause I know other people have kids with a lot bigger issues, but as I've been doing this work, I'm not, I don't force my kids to, to do as much of it as, as I would like them to, but they're, they're doing the gist of it. And kids get better faster than adults because they're not as toxic generally. And they have the magic of youth. Youth does a lot. We now have him. He, he plays soccer now. He was on the climb. Remember how I told you weak grip? Yes. He was on the climbing team at, at the local climbing gym and he did fine. He did great. He was going up a, an overhanging ladder by himself, you know, going up rung to rung. He is in all the advanced classes at his school now. He, those seizures are a long-term gone. And now, so this is important. His allergist told us that she has, and she works in the field of trying to cure anaphylactic allergies. She said she has never to this day seen a child grow out of tree nut allergies in her practice. So with the testing I've done on blood testing and what the allergist has done with skin prick testing, he is, he is now, we have now gotten rid of two of the three nuts that he was anaphylactic to based on testing. So we've gotten rid of the, the motor problems. We've gotten rid of the, whatever the seizure things were. We've gotten rid of the learning stuff that he had. And we're getting rid of the anaphylactic allergies. I'm not making any claims here. I'm saying what I'm doing with my son seems to be working. And he was probably born with some vitamin A toxicity. And then partially because I was, I was under the false impression that goat milk is healthier than cow milk. When it's actually more vitamin A than cow milk, I probably helped contribute 
to my son's health problems. And as I tell people, like if you make a mistake and you cause a problem, the biggest thing you can do is admit the problem. And then the next thing you're supposed to do, if you are able to, is try to help fix the problem. Yeah. And this is what I'm doing with my work. I am trying to, this is why I'm here talking to you is I'm trying to help other people to not make the mistake of missing all of this research that shows that what a lot of people out there are advising is completely not true. So that's, that's the story of my son. Thank you. I mean, thank you for sharing. It's obviously not easy. I didn't, um, I didn't even know about the goat milk because I feed my kids raw goat's milk uh, because it's supposedly the similar amino acid makeup right. of breast milk. Easier to digest, the smaller fat molecules. Yeah, I, I know. I, I heard all of it too. So I, uh, yeah, I mean, that, and that, that goat milk was not fortified. And I can't tell you, I mean, my son is doing so great right now. I mean, he still has to carry an EpiPen to school. I'm really excited for the day when he doesn't have to carry an EpiPen to school. And I, I can tell you that you can, in kids, I mean, I have, I, have, I have five studies on cod liver oil. I have a whole presentation on my YouTube about cod liver oil. Five studies linking increased allergy symptoms in children from cod liver oil, from con consumption of cod liver oil. Um, kids who are given vitamin A and multivitamins or other vitamin A sources show more allergic symptoms. They get allergies, asthma, what they call ato atopic dermatitis, which is an allergic type dermatitis. It's all there in the research. We have just, we have not been shown this. For those of you who are out there who are kind of questioning some of the health things going on these days, I'm going to tell you that, remember how I said that natural and synthetic vitamin A are the same? Yes. I'm going to tell you that Bill Gates' favorite vitamin is vitamin A. So whatever you think about Bill Gates, know that he loves vitamin A and then know that natural and synthetic vitamin A have no difference in toxicity. And then you just put those together. I'm going to leave it at that. Fair enough. So, so I know that you said that if somebody may show symptoms of vitamin A toxicity, mm -hmm. there are dangers or risks of just stopping everything and then possibly poisoning the blood. Uh, it's, it's, it's that, yeah, if you, if you stop things too fast. Yes. And, and especially if we have nutrient deficiencies going on, which pretty much everybody does these days. I have people come to me who are carnivores and they're new. They're still deficient. They can even be deficient in zinc, believe it or not. Oh yeah. I see it all the time. Yeah. So, so if they're deficient in zinc and then they start doing these things too fast, they can, they can make themselves feel worse. It's a temporary thing. And I always tell people, you know, you have to gauge this. If I, if I have labs on people, if I have blood labs and if I have a hair test, I can kind of tell how deep people are into the problem based on, based on my experience and looking at these things. So I can tell them like, look, you got to be careful. You, you know, you quit, you reduce your vitamin A too fast. You may feel bad because what happens is the liver starts dumping it all. Right. And I normally see, here's, here's the thing that will, you know, I see people, I take them off of vitamin A. 
and I get them of vitamin A in foods also, and I put them on things like more zinc. Well, did you know that in the research, it's been shown that taking zinc will raise your blood vitamin A levels. And then you start going, wait, what? How does zinc raise your blood vitamin A levels? Well, then I'm going to say, well, why did the guy who was taking 50,000 units of vitamin A, why was his vitamin A level in his blood low? Because he was not detoxing it. He was storing it all in his liver. And then when he stopped taking it, he started detoxing it. What if I were to tell you that zinc helps the liver to detox vitamin A? And then we say, so the guy stops vitamin A, his blood vitamin A levels go up. Person starts taking some zinc at the right dose, which I, I test hair and blood for zinc. Don't think I take dosing zinc anything other than very seriously. Okay. So people start taking zinc and their blood vitamin A goes up because you need zinc to run the process in the liver to get rid of it and to, and to make retinol binding protein, which protects you against it. Yeah, if people were very zinc deficient and very toxic in vitamin A, and they all of a sudden stop vitamin A and they don't get the right zinc, they can make themselves feel worse because the vitamin A was stored in the liver. It wasn't causing problems. Well, it was causing the liver problems, like a slow burn. But once it comes out of the liver, now it's in the blood, and this is where the symptoms show up. It's, it's complex. It's not easy. People think it's easy. Significant. It's, it's not an easy thing. Uh, uh, let, me, let, me, let me do an example here. I forgot to do this example. It's like, let's say you get a joint injury. You, you sprain your ankle. So let's think of vitamin A toxicity. Somebody's got vitamin A toxicity. It's like they sprained their ankle. It, let's just say it's just an injury. Something's happened. So somebody who's sprained their ankle, do you just tell them, just keep doing whatever you were doing before you sprained your ankle, right? You know, when I sprained my ankle playing basketball, and I could hardly walk on it, and, and I have somebody who's like denying that I have a problem, and they say, just go play basketball. You'll be fine. So let's say they go, to, uh, they go to see the doctor. Doctor sends them to physical therapy. The physical therapist is not going to have them doing high-impact, high-problematic things on their ankle. They're going to start them with rehab exercises. Right. Because your ankle needs to be fixed gently, not with a sledgehammer. And the problem is, is you get a lot of people who read about this stuff and they think I want my problem over now and I'm tough. So I'm just going to do all of it at once. And then they learn the hard way. And then they go, Oh, this is why Dr. Smith said you need to do this stepwise and you push it too hard. And that's why I use a saying that I learned from a, from a Marine, which is if you're going to be dumb, you better be tough. And we have no idea if we're talking about years worth of vitamin A coming out of a liver you better take it gently or you might not like it at all. When you say the gently, does it mean to slow down the consumption of vitamin A? I mean, what would be the kind of... So what I do is, I mean, people might, you know, I tell people like, you don't have to fix every aspect of your diet right away. So if people do it in pieces, that's kind of a stepwise thing. If they work with me and they're doing the nutritional testing, then what I do like with zinc is I do, once I figure out the amount of zinc, the maximum I think that person might use at this point in time, I have them go up slowly in zinc because zinc, as we just went over, zinc can cause vitamin A levels in the blood to rise. Mm -hmm. So we go up slowly to see what their response is. And if we start feeling like things are 
dumping too fast, then we back off on the zinc. It's very simple. It's, it's, and then we adjust as we go. And that's why I do with, with the people I work with, I do an email support kind of thing. So people can email me and say, oh, wow, I tried 45 milligrams of zinc. And that was, that seemed like too much to me. So I went back down to 30 and I'm like, okay, cool. What I don't want them to do is to say, oh, well, I tried 45 and I felt bad, but I thought if I could just push through it, that is the biggest fraud in all of medicine is telling people to just push through it. Or if they say, I feel bad when I do this, that the practitioner gives them more of it. If you are out there working with somebody and you're taking cod liver oil or eating liver or doing carrot juice and you're working with a practitioner or you're, or even worse, you're getting your advice on Facebook groups or whatever. And you say, well, I'm taking a tablespoon of cod liver oil a day and I'm not feeling good. And they then tell you to double it and you start feeling even worse. You should immediately know to stop whatever you're doing. And if they tell you to up it even more, well, let me give you a quick, a quick story about a woman who was being advised to eat liver and take cod liver oil. And she got back to the, the practitioner and said, I don't feel good. Practitioner had her go up to double her dose of cod liver oil. She gets back to the practitioner. I don't feel, I don't feel good. I feel even worse. Oh, you're detoxing. Take triple the dose. She takes triple the dose. She ends up having a mini stroke. Then she goes to her neurologist and her neurologist says, this is cod liver oil. Her neurologist says, I think you have vitamin A toxicity. And then this person goes and finds me. And within a couple months of me working with her, she was so chemically sensitive, which is a sign of the liver being congested, by the way. So within two months, I believe she was back to, and she wasn't working. And within two months, we had her back to working full-time. It's really serious. So anybody who tells you, like when I tell people, if I see people having symptoms of something, I tell them we're either doing too much of something or we're doing something too fast and we should back off instead of saying, oh, you feel bad. Oh, it's obviously just, I hate the word detox, detox. using it too much. I do use it. But when people just say you feel like crap because you're detoxing, that is the biggest cop out. And then if they just have people do more of the stuff and the people feel worse, I have people say that when they go and they do too many blood draws, I've heard of practitioners telling people after they do a bunch of blood draws and they feel worse after each one, that they're just detoxing. Well, I can tell you that I personally actually drove myself anemic because I was trying to be a good Samaritan. I was donating blood every two months. And by the fifth blood donation, I had, I had what I call it anemia insomnia, where I would wake up at midnight and be wired awake and I could not go back to sleep. And once I realized that it was an anemia and I had driven myself into anemia by donating blood too often without testing, I started addressing my, my nutrition like I was anemic. And within a week, I was back to sleeping normal. These people who are doing these blood donations without testing, they're not testing their ferritin most times. They just keep going in because, it, oh, obviously this practitioner said, if you feel bad, you're detoxing. So go donate blood again. That'll fix it. And they get worse each time. They're not detoxing. They're being driven into anemia. But there's no blood test to, to show evidence. 
there's a lot of stuff going on out there that I don't like. And I try to get the truth out there so that people can at least be informed. I mean, for people who are listening to this today, if they go, ah, I don't care what this guy says, I'm going to keep eating liver. I say, cool. I'll still be here. If, and when you realize that maybe that was a mistake or I'll even jokingly tell people to double down, go ahead, tr- start eating twice as much liver as you've been eating. Prove me wrong. Come back in five years after you've doubled your liver intake and you come and show me how wrong I was. The most interesting part I've seen thus far of any argumentation is that, you know, the toxicity really comes from the synthetic vitamins, which you disproved. Mm-hmm. But they, the same group of people will also say, but, you know, the animal livers aren't toxic but you should limit your amounts to one to two ounces a day. (laughs) And then the thought is, well, if it's not toxic, why do we have to limit it then? Right. So the logic is just broken right there. Um, It's just interesting. If they're worried about causing toxicity, there must be something to it. But even still, then you're saying, well, I'm going to totally I'm going to believe that if I eat muscle meat, it's going to somehow protect me against the liver. When we have that sled dog study where they ate all the sled dogs and it didn't protect him. Right. So, and both guys got the vitamin A toxicity. One guy got it worse, which they think they may have fed him more liver, but the other guy still got totally toxic too. I try to go through this in a very systematic way, you know, like with the natural versus synthetic. Is there evidence of, of, of eating liver being toxic? Is there evidence of eating carotenoids being toxic? If something is so toxic, I don't know. Do we, do we need it at all? That's a big question. Why, why, would, why would we have to be so careful with something if we're supposed to have it, right? It becomes a big question that people should ask themselves. Do people think that Accutane... Okay, so well, let, me, let me do this real quick. So 13 cis-retinoic acid. So what, what researchers will, in the vitamin A research will say is they'll say, so retinol is not the active form of vitamin A. Retinaldehyde is not the active form of vitamin A. Retinoic acids are the active forms of vitamin A. So some of all the vitamin A you consume gets eventually turned into retinoic acids. The same thing as Accutane, chemically. The same thing as Retin-A, chemically. The same thing as Alitretinoin, which is a chemotherapy, chemically. Are we actually saying, do people want to jump into the logic of saying, you actually need Accutane, the same chemical as Accutane. It is part of an essential nutrient system to your body. To continue on that note, we can pull up the retinoic acid studies. People might doubt that your body turns food vitamin A into the same retinoic acids that are the compounds known as Accutane or Retin-A or Alitretinoin. So I want to present some evidence on that because I I like presenting evidence on things. So first we have a paper that's about vegetables raising retinoic acid levels. So here the paper is called Modulation of Plasma All Trans Retinoic Acid Concentrations by the Consumption of Carotenoid-Rich Vegetables. So remember, for carotenoids to raise retinoic acid levels, it would have to turn into retinaldehyde and then go into the retinoic acid pathway. Okay, so that means we are turning carotenoids into retinoids. Humans do it just fine. Even without fat? 
Oh, well, all fat does is increase your absorption of it. Right. Okay. So while, while we're on that note, the important thing to know about people who may be thinking twice about vitamin A toxicity is the more fat you consume with meals, the more vitamin A you're going to absorb from those meals, however much vitamin A was in there, right. the more fat that's there, the more you're going to absorb it. The more fat that's there, the more you're going to store it in your liver. That's just the way it is. So if you eat very little fat, somebody might be able to eat very little fat and not absorb much vitamin A from a very high vitamin A diet. Um, so that there's kind of a catch-22 there. If you're eating a lot of liver and you're eating a high-fat diet and you're eating, you know, a, well, palmitic acid, you're just, you're just going to, you're absorbing a ton of it and you're shoving a ton of it into your liver. And that's just what the research says. The quote from that paper, noting, um, here's the quote, our study clearly shows that consumption of vegetables rich in beta-carotene positively influences human atra, all transretinoic acid, plasma levels. That's retin-A. That's the same compound as retin-A. So eating vegetables raises the retin-A levels in the blood. This next one is from eating a mixed meal. It was a breakfast. The title 13 cis retinoic acid is an endogenous compound in human serum. Let's just hit that word endogenous means created within the body. So what they mean is if you eat vitamin A endogenously at some point, you turn it into retinoic acid. 13 cis retinoic acid is the same compound as isotretinoin, AKA Accutane. Okay. So Quote, the presence of 13 cis retinoic acid as the predominant form of retinoic acid in human urine under normal physiological conditions recently has been reported. Let me stop there. That means these people are not on Accutane. After a meal, the concentration of total retinoic acids was 36% greater compared to fasting subjects. This indicates that the level of retinoic acid in human serum is influenced by dietary intake. And then the final part, we conclude that 13 cis retinoic acid is a normally circulating retinoid in human blood. So all of that is saying 13 cis retinoic acid is the exact same chemical as, as Accutane. They're saying it's naturally occurring in your blood if you eat vitamin A. Okay, so for you ladies who are either pregnant or considering getting pregnant, and maybe you've heard about Accutane. What doctors will do when women are going to be taking Accutane is they make the women sign a form that they will use two forms of birth control while they are on Accutane because Accutane is that connected to causing birth defects. Okay? Vitamin A turns into the same compound as retinoic acid. So let's go into this paper. This is eating liver. Exposure to retinoic acids in non-pregnant women following high vitamin A intake with a liver meal. Here we go. Quote, the current study in non-pregnant female volunteers showed that a single high vitamin A intake with a liver meal up to 120,000 IU exhibited a similar diurnal-like, that means two peaks in a day, plasma concentration time curve for all transretinoic acid, retin-A, and its overall exposure remained unaltered despite a temporary two-fold increase in peak plasma concentration doubled in the blood. Concentrations of 13 cis retinoic acid, Accutane, 
and 13-cis-4-oxo-retinoic acid increase several fold after a liver meal and exposure increased three to five fold. So here's, here's what the researchers are saying based on those retinoic acids. However, the observed increase of plasma concentrations and the dose dependent, the more you eat of it, the more it goes up, increase in exposure to 13-cis and 13-cis-4-oxo-retinoic acid support the current safety recommendations on vitamin A intake and suggest that women should be cautious regarding their consumption of liver-containing meals during pregnancy. Now, people still want to think that supplements are different than natural vitamin A. So I, just, I brought in one study on a retinal palmitate supplement. Here is the paper. Circulating endogenous retinoic acid concentrations among participants enrolled in a randomized placebo-controlled clinical trial of retinal palmitate. Here's the quote. This study suggests that supplementation with retinal palmitate is an effective means to increase circulating all trans, 9-cis, and 13-cis retinoic acid concentrations among humans. They all do the same thing. It is, it is those retinoic acids that are associated with birth defects, cleft lip, cleft palate. There's a whole paper on vitamin A and cleft lip, cleft palate. If you go out and you type in vitamin A, cleft lip, cleft palate, the researchers in it say, we're trying to do... So, so when, when you ladies out there, moms or dads too, when you are thinking, what is the safe amount I can give my kid? The researchers in this cleft lip, cleft palate study were saying that cleft lip and cleft palate are connected to vitamin A toxicity. And they are trying to figure out what is the dose that isn't a problem. That's what they're trying to figure out. They don't know how low you have to go to not cause a problem. Does that sound like a vitamin to you? Something that you need desperately to be healthy. You can answer that question. Can I go back to the last um, thing? So this is saying that, I mean, if this study, is it kind of saying that women that are pregnant should be careful consuming all animal liver? I just... That's exactly what they're saying. Yes. Okay. That's what the Teratology Society is saying. That's what they're saying in this paper. We were talking about pregnancy and vitamin A and liver. Well, so here's a paper called Health Risks Related to High Content of Vitamin A in Liver. Here's the quote. The Finnish, Finland, Finnish Board of Health has issued recommendations on diminished use of liver and foodstuffs containing liver in order to avoid overdosage of vitamin A and the health risks related thereto. Inter alia, which means among other things, pregnant women and children are advised wholly to refrain from the consumption of liver and liver products. Okay? The Finnish Board of Health recommended that pregnant women and children eat no liver. So my, my suggestion of that I wouldn't have people eat any liver is in line with at least one country's government. Right? And then there's an important thing where people were thinking, oh, but the liver's, you know, the, 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 where people think that the liver's so dense and can't we just, you know, can, how much can we eat? The nutrient density, can we just eat some? 
what is safe, all that stuff. So let me get into another paper, just so happened to be from Finland. Um, it's the risk assessment. The, the paper is called, it's 64 pages long. The paper is called Intake of Vitamin A from Liver Foods Among Finnish One-Year-Old, Three-Year-Olds, and Six-Year-Old Children, a Quantitative Risk Assessment. So they're trying to assess the risks to the kids. So I'm going to read this quote because there's a lot of good stuff in this quote. Okay, hold This on. is their conclusion. This risk assessment showed that long-term liver consumption may expose children to retinoid intakes higher than what is considered safe. The amount of vitamin A obtained from liver-based retinoids seems to remain below the safe intake from a single portion, but not for that Chinese kid, right? Uh, with long-term consumption of liver foods, however, there is a risk of exceeding upper tolerable intake levels. However, in long-term consumption, moderate portions of liver foods are still safe as long as they are not consumed too often. The safe portion size and eating frequency depend on the age group and type of liver food. When considering the total daily vitamin A intake from the nutritional point of view, liver consumption has a positive effect. However, the benefits of eating liver can probably be substituted by a well-balanced diet with plenty of vegetables and a reasonable amount of meat without the risk of an excess intake of retinoids. In this study, do they kind of define what's consumed too often means or the portion <laughs> of liver, the moderate amounts? Well, it's, it's a review, so it's not, a, it's not an actual, they didn't actually oh, yeah, yeah, go yeah, into the right. lab. But um, I, don't, I don't know. I don't remember what they were saying, but they do note that it's it, the, the age of the kid, Matter. which would be the size of the liver. So the thing you, you ladies out there, you moms, you dads need to know is the smaller the liver, the less vitamin A it takes to become toxic. So if you have, let's say, if you look at it, so this is why these age group things, like my daughter and my son are both small for their age, which is if, if you are out there and you have kids who seem excessively small for their age, this is totally common in vitamin A toxicity. Happens in the mouse studies, happens in the rat studies. Go look at Rodal's book. The babies and the, the, the young animals are smaller than normal. It doesn't mean that if your kid's normal size, that they don't have any problems. It just means that it's a very common thing to see smaller kids than normal. And I have lots of people in the, in the detox program who say their kids are small. So my, my kids are small. Do I think my kids were vitamin A toxic because of my wife's history? Yes. And did I contribute to causing that history? Yes, I did. I used to give vitamin A. So yeah, is part of it my fault? Yeah. Um, we used to eat sweet potatoes all the time. I used, to, I used to roast carrots. Yeah, I mean, totally. There was the goat milk. Did I cause problems? Yes. So if, if they're saying like you have an extra small kid, well, let's say they say three-year-olds and they say, well, the okay amount for one to three-year-olds is this amount of vitamin A a day. Is your kid smaller than normal? then even though they're three, year old, three years old, they're not going to be able to handle as much vitamin A as a kid that's bigger just because the liver gets bigger. Sure. And then we would have, let's say, like we were talking about goat milk being higher in vitamin A than cow milk. Well, what if you buy a liver off a farmer who does things with his cows that really massively increases their vitamin A level? 
So then all of a sudden you don't have standard liver anymore. You have like super potent vitamin A liver or where you have people who are like, I want my butter to be yellowish orange. That's way more vitamin A in it. Right. I want my chicken eggs to be orangish red. That's yeah. way more vitamin A in it. So you start seeing all these things that people have been doing to create this nutrient density. It's mostly vitamin A that they're bumping up. Red, yellows, and oranges in plants. And that's what gets into the eggs and that's what gets into the butter. And, uh, and then if, if we end up going into maybe the next time, if we go into fatty liver, well, you'll notice the color of fatty liver is that it's yellow. So it all starts to get very interesting. In your practice, I mean, you know, we've talked about so many studies that really kind of facilitate this thought of whether it's synthetic, whether it's from foods. And then we talk about all these studies about actual toxicity from all of these types of vitamin A and the risks of and et cetera. But in your practice, um, when you're working with people that are actually toxic, like, I mean, what are some real case studies that you've seen where people are toxic from maybe even eating organ meats, uh, cod liver oil? Um, what if maybe even it's not from any of the organ meats? Well, I mean, I, I, have a lot of, I have a lot of refugees from certain protocols. I have a lot of refugees from Weston Price. I have a lot of refugees from the Ray Pete approach. All of those push high vitamin A on people in multiple forms. When I get them, what things that, well, I hear, I can go over my personal experience. Um, I was already starting to get prostate-related urinary issues in my mid-20s. I, as I got older, I had terrible insomnia. I do believe I was electromagnetically sensitive at one time. And I'm pretty sure I started noticing psoriasis. If I, if I can remember the age, it was probably around my early teens. So I was getting some psoriasis on my knuckles. And I, I tended to have a lot of uh, skin fungus. I had athlete's foot several times as a kid. I had tinea versicolor. I had, you know, I was, I was generally regarded myself as a healthy kid. But I, obviously, I wasn't healthy. I had a bunch of things going on. So now I can say, and, and then, so what was that? The prostate urinary issues, what were those potentially leading up to? Well, when we think of genetics, my dad died of prostate cancer. So seeing urinary issues starting in your mid-20s, when you're trying to learn how to be a natural doctor, that's not, not a good thing, right? And, I, and at the time, oh, I was doing Ajanus von der Planet's primal diet. Are you familiar with this at all? No. What do they eat a lot of? Well, they do raw meat. Okay, that's cool. I have no problem. You know, I never got sick from it. They do raw liver. They do raw eggs. And they do a lot of raw dairy. Okay. There's only a little bit of vitamin A in that, right? I was even to the point of I was so hardcore. I didn't like the taste of liver. I would get raw, I would get raw liver and I would put it in a blender with frozen blueberries and I would make a blueberry liver. It, I mean, it was like a slushy. It was disgusting. I've and I would drink it down. Yeah. I would, I would drink it down. Okay. And after a while, so, so where was the, where was the beginning of my suspicion that vitamin A was bad for me? I can look back and I, at some point I was looking at that liver smoothie and I thought about it and I went, you know what, if this is supposed to be so dang healthy for me, why don't I feel, do I feel amazing? Is this fixing all of my health problems? 
And I looked at it and I went, it's not. I don't want to do this anymore. And I stopped. And over the next couple of weeks, I noticed that I was having more energy. So that's when I went, dang, maybe I was, maybe I was wrong on that. And then later I still got into the vitamin A thing again with supplements and liver pills and stuff like that. So what, what have I gotten rid of? All those health problems I mentioned, it's not normal to see a guy who has prostate problems in his 20s not have them in his 40s. Right. So got rid of the prostate problems, got rid of the insomnia. I mean, I used to, I remember the first day where I was like, wait, I just woke up in the same position I went to sleep in. There's no more rolling around in my sleep even. I just, I just lay there and go to sleep. And I stay in the same position because I'm not as uncomfortable. I'm not as stiff and cracking and popping joints like people will have. That's all gone. I don't have insomnia. We see insomnia go away all the time. I don't have the uh, chicken skin on my triceps, which in the research, they'll try to say it's from vitamin A deficiency. Well, I got rid of mine and I don't eat vitamin A. Um, I don't have skin fungus issues anymore. I don't, what are the other things? I, I don't have psoriasis anymore. All of my issues went away. So skin issues often, skin issues are a big problem with vitamin A. Um, we see those go away. We see eye problems where people say they're extra sensitive to light or they have dry eye or all the other things that you might hear about with Accutane. Those can often fade away as people get into this. Liver, liver enzymes, I'm going to do a video. I have, I have a guy, a guy's been documenting his liver enzymes. We're watching those go down. Cholesterol, whether people are too low or too high, those will start to normalize. We now have a type 1 diabetic kid who doesn't have type 1 diabetes anymore. Uh, I have a woman with Hashimoto's who technically doesn't have Hashimoto's anymore based on the antibody counts. We have multiple people getting off of thyroid meds because they don't need them anymore. We had a guy double, I did a video where a guy doubled his testosterone from 350 to about 700. This problem, because it affects the liver, means it can affect every single system of your body because the liver helps and detoxes every single part of your body. People want it to be, they want vitamin A toxicity to be like skin problems or anxiety and depression, which we get, we, we help those all the time. They want it to be a couple of things that they can say, oh, if I don't have those issues, I don't have vitamin A toxicity. I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way. Go look at the side effects list of Accutane. Then you'll have an idea of just how many systems these compounds affect. Go look up vitamin A toxicity symptoms. A lot of times you only see a list of like eight things. Sure. But I've gone and I've accumulated, I think it's called the mega symptom list on my, on my research forum on my website, where I took three sources, I believe, and I just put it all into the different body systems. We demonstrated that natural and synthetic are the same. Sure. There was a, a big study on veterans where they were giving these veterans Retin-A cream to help them prevent skin cancer. So these guys didn't have skin cancer and they gave them Retin-A cream to put on their face to see if it would prevent skin cancer. You know, they, uh, they stopped that study because too many of the vets were dying early. Wow. Okay. There are three other studies on beta carotene supplements that they have stopped early because too many people started dying early, earlier than we're expected. So we can go from beta carotene all the way to retinoic acid and see early deaths. 
a lot of the people in your um, community or your patients that you're helping that are getting better, it's so hard to delineate that it's the vitamin A, right? So if they're, cha- if they're on an elimination diet in a sense and they remove other foods other than mm-hmm. vitamin A, how do we know it's just the isolation of the vitamin A? And maybe you have an answer to that, but that's the part where it gets really tricky because we can't necessarily test for vitamin A other than the blood, Right. And the blood just, test cells. Right. Exactly. So, you know, how do we know that your people are not also following other things that in accumulation with the low right. vitamin E, it's, it's the improvement of all of it and not just the removal of vitamin E? Well, the, the reality of that is that real life is not a clinical study. So if I'm working with somebody and because what I do in the detox program and what I do with people is, is way more than just vitamin A. We are, we are trying to work on the liver and we are trying to work on, there's, there's a part of it where we, we are correcting the gut biome to okay. make that work better because that is your whole detox. That is your main detox sure. system. People will say the skin, but if you're detoxing through your skin, you're putting toxins out onto your skin and then you tend to get skin irritation. So we don't want to detox through the skin if we don't have to. Okay. If I am, let's say, having people minimize their vitamin A and I'm saying reduce your added sugars and don't eat too much of these things and, and fix your zinc and get some sunlight and do other things. That we exercise. Oh my gosh, exercise. But don't do so much that you feel like garbage. Right. That's honestly advice I give people. Like you can overdo exercise. Totally. And you actually dump vitamin A. So you dump vitamin A into your blood. That doesn't mean you get rid of it. That's, that's a key thing. People will think that if you dump vitamin A from the liver, that somehow that's getting rid of it. That doesn't mean you got rid of it at all. It can be totally recycled and put right back into your liver which is one of the things I concern my, I'm concerned with, with the carnivore diet is where there's no fiber and they may not be pooping very well or as often as they could be, because that's how you get rid of the bile, which is where you get rid of the vitamin A. Okay. Fair enough. So if we're working on things where we're working on the liver, we're working on the bile, we're working on the gut dysbiosis, we're working on the nutrients. Is somebody do, am I going to say, am I going to claim that it was avoiding vitamin A that did everything? No, I'm, I'm a systems person. I, I, the reason I am doing what I'm doing right now is because I'm looking at every angle of the system and I'm saying, how can we, how can we reduce? There's a saying I go by, which is give the body what it needs, help it get rid of what it doesn't want, and then get the heck out of the way. So all we are doing, and that was taught to me, that was in my naturopathic philosophy class in school. That was, and I was, I have held on to that tighter than anybody I know. And that's always been a driving thing. I mean, first do no harm is obvious, right? We are simply trying to make the system run better. But as, as I've gone on in this process, I have, I have things, are, things were always bigger than just vitamin A toxicity for me. And now I've put together where this fits into the whole thing of human health. And so if somebody were to say, well, how do I know what did what? I don't know. I'm very honest about this. I fixed their, I fixed their zinc level. They feel better. I fixed their selenium level. They feel better. On the hair test, I got their high calcium down. They feel better. I got them enough magnesium. They feel better. They get sunlight. They're happier. Do I know which they, they get some potassium? Their muscle cramps go away. Right. 
what, am I, am I only trying, I mean, the, here's the question is, should I be limited to trying to only do one thing for people? Should I turn myself into a one trick pony? Right, right. That would be silly. I have a lot of tools and, and human nutrition and human toxicity is not just one thing. And people get into that, right? People will get into heavy metals cause all disease. And then somebody else will be like, candida causes everything. And somebody else will be like, it's insulin resistance. And, you know, and they go, well, I, I, so I can tell you, I did all that. I had a heavy metal phase. I had a candida phase. I, I've had these phases. Oh, just, you know, IV nutrition, just do that. That'll fix it all. And I, I finally kept coming back around to like a five-year-old should ask why. So if you say, well, you, your hemoglobin A1C is high why? Right. And they'll say, because you have insulin resistance. And then you go, why? <laughs> because you're eating too many carbs. And then you might go, oh, okay, well, maybe. And then if we go, oh, well, here in the research, it says, if you don't have enough magnesium, your blood sugar control sucks. Okay. And then if you say, well, okay, so you don't have enough magnesium, then people go, why? And then you go, okay, well, you need to get it in your diet. You need to supplement it. And they might say, well, why isn't it in the food? Because the soil sucks. I can't change the soil. Right. So what, where can I affect it? With diet and supplements. But even still, I can't affect what's in the food. If I can't affect the soil, I can't affect what's in the food. There, the, the zinc deficiency in the soil in this world is outrageous. So if you have carnivores out there thinking, well, I eat lots of meat and I get plenty of zinc because of it. And I looked at some studies from 10 or 20 years ago on grass-fed beef and how much zinc was in it. It's not the same anymore. It's gotten worse. So if it wasn't enough zinc for back then, or if it was barely enough zinc for back then, it's even worse now. And if it's not in the soil, it's not in the plants. If it's not in the plants you eat or the plants your animals eat, then it's not in the animals you eat. And then you're behind the eight ball. And if I were to tell you that you need enough zinc to protect you against vitamin A toxicity, then we start going, this is becoming a bigger problem because what are farmers doing? They're giving their cows, they're keeping their cows getting the same amount of vitamin A, whether it's grass fed or whether it's supplemented. So you're going to be getting the same amount of vitamin A, but you're not going to be getting the same amount of zinc anymore. That it's, is it all connected? It's, it's absolutely all connected. One cannot separate it. Can't separate it. Yeah, this has been quite a conversation. Um, you know, where can people find your work, uh, learn more about you and even your services uh, working with patients and your detox community? Okay, so I have, I have two main websites. I'm working on getting them into one, but I, I, I don't know when I'll ever get around to that. So the website, if people want to work with me, is nutritionrestored.com. And if you want to see the, the 400 plus kind of forum posts or blog posts that I've done on vitamin A, if you're on that website, go to the research forum, and then you can see all the posts I've done on that. Now, if people are interested in, so that's where they can go for that information or to work with me on an individual like testing, nutrient testing, hair testing, blood testing, consultation, email support, all that stuff. If you are interested in the vitamin A detox program, which is a do-it-yourself program. It does not do testing. It does not do individualized information. It does not do consults with me. 
It is a do it yourself, read it yourself, put it into action yourself. That is at nutritiondetective.work. So that's most of my channels are some variation of nutrition detective because that's, that's what I like to think I do. Um, and I'll put that in the show notes as awesome. well. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for this. Um, it's been, I mean, as much as I do some things, it's just blown my mind too. Again, um, I think this is information that we really need to get out there because it's important. <laughs> it is. It's, it's real legitimate information. We can't deny that it's, it's out there and we just haven't been exposed to it. So that's, that's what I'm trying to help people with. I'm not trying to burst anybody's bubbles. You know, it'd be like before they knew asbestos was poisonous, right? Somebody at some point had to say, this is poisonous. We should stop using this because <laughs> this research came out and showed us that this was poison. Well, maybe all this research has been out there. And we just haven't either been had it brought to our attention or we were taught things that made us just throw it out of, out of, out in the trash without even looking at it. Right. And that's, that's what, when, when my, when my attention was brought to it, I immediately went down the rabbit hole and it hasn't ended since. So. Thank you. Thank you so much for all your work and thank you for your time. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. And I'm sure we'll talk again. Bye Dr. Smith. Thank you. Goodbye. You're welcome. All right, guys. I hope that this interview brought a lot more clarity around the conversation about vitamin A, um, the risks of certain, whether it's plant foods or animal foods, and the research really behind where this kind of question of vitamin A toxicity is coming from. I know it's not easy information to hear. It's totally mind-blowing in some regards. But it's something to consider, especially if you're not feeling well, especially if your family has a history of liver disease, and especially if you're raising young ones. I think at this point, I would just not really recommend babies and young children and even pregnant women to even try liver in their diet, even one ounce a week, because I just think that the benefits don't outweigh the risks at this point. There is just so much information and studies out there if you really look and hopefully this interview has shared that with you that you can just get these nutrients from other foods that don't have as many of the risks that come with it all right guys you know the drill make sure to eat a lot of meat take care of your bodies because it is the only place you have to live i will talk to you guys later take care bye Thanks for listening to the Nutrition with Judy podcast. If you liked what you heard today, please make sure to leave a five-star review on your favorite podcast app so more listeners like you can find the show. If you want more practitioner care and support, head over to nutritionwithjudy.com groups so you can get more real talk about carnivore, the environment, and root cause healing. You can also find my content on Nutrition with Judy's YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Make sure to sign up for my weekly newsletter and learn more about in-depth articles with infographics at nutritionwithjudy.com slash articles. You can find my two books, Carnivore Cure and the Complete Carnivore Diet for Beginners on carnivorecure.com and amazon.com. At the heart of Nutrition with Judy's practice, our mission lies with a deep, unwavering passion for service and community. 
we will continue to empower you to have the knowledge and tools to live a life nearly symptom-free because we firmly believe in healing and wellness for all.